The Adam Crowley Show. Love you, 970 ESPN. It's it's Adam a- Crowley, I think it is. He's a good guy. He really is. He's a good host. I enjoyed being, you know, and now we're talking about a weekly spot of the show. And I'm just telling Adam, I better be picked. Freebies are up. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. International Women's Day! We interrupt our regularly scheduled program for this breaking news update on ESPN Pittsburgh. We got breaking news right now. RMU women play tonight at 7 against LIU Brooklyn. We'll have more as it comes along. It's fitting that today is hashtag National Women's Day because I usually have no idea... What the bleep women are thinking. <laughs> just ask my wife. Last night, Le'Veon Bell had me just as confused. In an Instagram Q&A, he said he would not sit out during the season. Then he stated he would repeat his strategy from last year when he skipped training camp before signing his franchise tag chic a week before the start of the regular season. All this before he finally suggested that he might not play until week four. So here's what I think we know. Le'Veon Bell is going to play for the Steelers next year. He's either going to show up prior to week one, after week one, or after week four. I'm pretty sure he's not going to retire. I think. Here's what I do know. He's not doing himself any favors. I've always found Le'Veon Bell to be a good dude. I worked with him a bit on the Le'Veon Bell show on DVE. I'm predisposed to like the guy. But boy, is he making it tough. Last year, Bell turned down a contract his agent advised him to sign. His mom wanted him to sign the contract. Le'Veon talked about retirement days before a playoff game. He reportedly showed up late for the walkthrough prior to the Jaguars' playoff game. Now, he can't even keep a train of thought for the length of an Instagram post. As Tim Benz and I discussed on my show on Tuesday, Steelers fans are so fed up with his antics, they are trying to downplay what he means to the Steelers on the field. It's hard to separate the two. Le'Veon, for my money, is clearly the best running back in football on the field, but he's making himself an easy person to root against off it. You know this already, but you found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. The show doesn't only go from 4 o'clock until 7. We talk about it all the time, but the cheese teas, it gets the people fired up, and today's is as good as it gets, at underscore Adam Crowley. Speaking of as good as it gets, the Penguins last night bitch slapped the Philadelphia Flyers. Just smacked them right across the face. They put them in their place. And I can't believe for a second that I entertained that the Philadelphia Flyers could beat the Penguins and then get in the Penguins' heads as if it was 2012. This team got nothing on that 2012 Flyers team. And these Penguins, they don't get bullied mentally or physically by anybody. In fact, the Penguins have won 8 of their last 11 games against the Flyers. Sidney Crosby overall has 91 points in 62 games against Philadelphia. He sees red when he should be seeing black and orange. The Penguins have scored five goals in each of the three meetings so far this year. This is nothing 
like 2012. Last night's win does prevent the Flyers from gaining any confidence, and it also shows them that they don't belong on the ice with the Pittsburgh Penguins. I don't think the Penguins played especially well. In the first period, they got a bunch of power plays, and they overpassed to death. They overpassed to death in the neutral zone. The Penguins were trying to be too fancy. The Penguins weren't playing north and south, and my God, it was frustrating. But Philly still didn't have an answer because they ain't that good. As I mentioned before on yesterday's program, the Flyers are 12th in the league in goals scored, 13th in goals against. Their power plays in the middle of the pack. Their penalty kill is 29th in the National Hockey League. They lost 10 games at one portion in a row of this schedule. They do not belong in the same breath as the Penguins when you're listing Eastern Conference contenders. As time wound down in last night's game, the Flyers did prove that they are still the Flyers. Jamie Alexiak put an end to that. I know on Stan's show, and you can hear Stan from 10 until noon, that's not true, from noon until 2 right here on ESPN Pittsburgh. Tune in from 10 until noon anyhow. He said that maybe the Penguins are going to suffer because they don't have the grit that they used to have with Ian Cole and Ryan Reeves, and maybe the Flyers will be able to expose that. Didn't happen. The Penguins toyed with Philadelphia all game long by simply playing hockey. And the Flyers, being the Flyers at the end of the game, were trying to get off the ice while also taking a piece of Pittsburgh. Jamie Alexiak said, nah, if you. Not bleeping happening. Repeat after me. The Penguins are hockey royalty. The Flyers are an afterthought. The Flyers aren't in the Penguins class. Suck it, Philly. I wrote a piece on my blog, ESPNPGH.com, yesterday that talked about just how much better of a hockey town and a franchise Pittsburgh and the Penguins are than Philadelphia. And some Philly people took exception to it. They also use this hashtag all the time, Flyers Talk. But every time I click Flyers Talk on Twitter.com, the only thing that I see is bitching and moaning and complaining. So is that what Flyers Talk is? Bitching and moaning and complaining? In the blog, as I described how much better of a hockey town and organization Pittsburgh and the Penguins are than Philly, I said at the end, if Philly wins, it still doesn't change anything. But Philly did not win. It made me think even further about the gap between these two teams now. The way that the Flyers had been playing since the new year and the way the Penguins had been playing since the new year, I thought maybe the Flyers could put up more of a fight. I thought the Penguins would get the Flyers best. If they did, my God. I thought this would be Philadelphia's opportunity at home to show we are superior to Pittsburgh and... Right down their legs. How many chances did Claude Giroux have where he either missed the net or fanned on it? Too busy squeezing that baton, I suppose. The Flyers aren't in the Penguins class, and today is a glorious day, as most are, to be a Penguins fan.
Josh Getzoff will join me briefly coming up at 4.20 to discuss. Saw a cop on my way in. Thought I was going to get pulled over. I'm afraid of cops now. One time Brian and I got pulled over, and a cop asked Brian to get out of the car for no apparent reason, and I was sitting in the passenger seat just shaking like a leaf. So ever since that moment, I am terrified of getting pulled over. Thought I was going to today. So here's what I want to do. Not just for my benefit, but for your benefit. I want people to call up whenever they see a cop. Anywhere in this area, you give us a ring, and either Brian or Tom will report where they see said police officer. That way we can help out our fellow listeners. And we can make Pittsburgh a safer community. People are going to be slowing down and not getting tickets. How about that? We'll call them smoky reports. 412-922-2874 is the way to do that. You can also tweet me if you so desire, at underscore Adam Crowley, and we'll put it out there that way as well. Why in the effing world did we have to listen to Michael Kendricks in the booth for the entire first period and intermission of last night's hockey game? The broadcasters had to explain every stoppage to him. Every single one. You want to know why? Because he plays football, not hockey. Bush League. That's typical of NBC. I tweeted it out yesterday, but we talked about it earlier in the week. NBC dumped out of the Stadium Series game early. Doc Emmerich had to throw it back to New York for Saturday Night Live, and now they've got a football player on the ice, and they interviewed him from the booth during an intermission. Bush bleeping league. And I'm not typically the guy to be like, I told you so. Well, that's actually just not true. But I told you so. And what I mean by that is I said that you should be rooting for the New England Patriots to win the Super Bowl because they already get all kinds of media attention, and they get slobbed all over by the national media because ESPN is in Bristol and blah, 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 blah. Well, the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl, and now what are we getting? We're getting... Pierre Maguire standing next to Michael Kendricks. Because, oh, these are just the lovable Eagles. I got to ask him about Michael Bennett. Really? You serious? Philly needs to check themselves. Gots to. Also, why the hell does Michael spell his name with a Y? Jackass. Pitt fired Kevin Stallings. He's still going to be rich, good for him, bad for Pitt, and it all started with Scott Barnes. That guy is an ass clown. That guy allowed this university's athletic program to burn to the effing ground, not in the hopes that it would rise like a phoenix, but he burned the damn thing to the ground and then fled to Oregon State. Here's what's happened since Scott Barnes took over. Pitt lowered the buyout of Jamie Dixon, who had made 11 NCAA tournaments in 13 years. He had been in the top 10 at one point or another in 11 of his 13 years. They did that to encourage him to leave for TCU. And it's one of the worst decisions that a college team has made in a very long time. Jamie Dixon's TCU... Horn Frogs lost today, but they will be in the NCAA tournament. So in two years, 
Jamie Dixon took TCU from nothing, an atrocious program, to become the NIT champs and now to the NCAA tournament. He's led TCU to a record of 45-25 and 25 overall over the course of the first two seasons with the Horned Frogs. Pitt, 0-19 against conference foes this year. And they're now ranked 227th in Ken Palm. Gotta get rid of that guy! And yes, I do understand that his pit teams hadn't been performing to the expectation level of the early Jamie Dixon pit teams, but that's because he became a victim of his own success. Just getting to the tournament prior to Jamie Dixon being there would have been enough to keep him around. So after a couple of years of slipping, got to get rid of that guy. Don't want him to be around. Well, you should be happy. Right, Pitt fans? You got rid of the guy you wanted to get rid of. The boosters got rid of the guy they wanted to get rid of. And now, well, things are okay, right? No. Kevin Stallings was 24-41. and How is that possible? That's not as bad as I thought it would be. And that's because he was... 0-19 this year against conference teams. And Will Graves, who's going to join me at 520 today, tweeted out this number, 4,117. That's the average attendance of Pitt basketball under Kevin Stallings. I could grease up two pigs, and if I said you get $500, if you could tackle a pig, I bet you we could find 4,117 people. Okay. Hell, even 15 bucks, I bet you we could find 4,117 people to chase those hogs down. Okay. When you can't fill a third of your arena, as Graves said, it's a tough sell to bring anyone back regardless of the circumstances. That's not really firing for cause, but <laughs> it's a pretty good cause to get fired. Okay. Up next... Evgeny Malkin's got a chance to pull a Punxsutawney Phil and get out from Sidney Crosby's shadow. Oh, what a tease. And, speaking of teases, Josh Getzoff joins me next. It's the Crowley Show. Josh Getzoff going to join us, we think, in a few moments here on the Crowley Show. I mentioned it in the first segment. I saw a cop on my way in. And I'm scared of cops. I'm wearing a basketball jersey. <laughs> oh, no. Thought I was going to get pulled over. So here's what I want to do. I want people to call in when they see a cop. And then we'll know where all the cops are. It's like a public service announcement. It is a public service, baby. We'll help each other out so that you're going to know when to slow down. We'll help the public by getting cars to slow down, and we'll help you by not having to pay out your ass for the ticket. I got a ticket once, 88 and a 55. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's a lot of points. That's a big fine. I don't want that to happen to anybody, and really, you shouldn't be going that fast anyhow. So, what we've decided to How do... How did your Kia go that fast? It was really bittersweet, actually, Brian, because yeah. I, at one point, simultaneously set the world record for the fastest a Kia Rio can go, and <laughs> also got pulled over for yeah, speeding. Nice. We're going to call these smoky reports, and you just call us up, give us a tip, or tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley, wherever you saw a cop, and we'll have either Brian or Tom tell you where these cops are. 
they say can't be done. Breaker, breaker, one nine. Brush your teeth and comb your hair. We got a plain Jane City kitty hanging paper and taking pictures on Route 19 at the Mount Lebanon Preacher Pulpit. Back it on down unless you're looking for a nasty old bear bite. This Smokey Report, if you see a Miss Piggy, Mama Bear, Papa Bear, Bear in the Bushes, or a Bear in the Air, you give us a holler and we'll get you home safe without the extra freight. 412 922 He's bound and down, loaded up and trucking. Are we going to do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time. Route 19 in Mount Lebanon. Preach pulpit. They'll learn. Oh, they'll learn. 412-922-2874. I said Josh gets off was a tease in my tease. I just think he's really good looking. He's always wearing suits, so because of that, we're having a difficult time reaching Josh Getzoff. I think that's why. I, I don't think he likes being called a tease. He always follows through. But I got plenty to get me through, because last night the Penguins beat the Flyers, and as Stan said in his Pens report, really, you don't need much more than that to get you excited. You don't. What was the best thing about beating the Flyers? Well, oh yeah, it was beating the Flyers. But in last night's game, Sidney Crosby had three points. And is there anything better than when the organist goes, Crosby sucks, and then Crosby just nets one? Or Crosby sets up Connor Sheary? Or Crosby sets up Malkin, who sets up Phil Kessel? There's nothing better, I think, as a Pittsburgh sports fan, than watching Sidney Crosby carve those candy asses up. Tom, if you can't reach him, don't worry about it. He'll call back up. He needs us more than we need him. That's not true. I want to become best friends with Josh Getzoff because he's going to be Mike Lang's replacement. Hashtag breaking news. When Sidney Crosby slaps those bastards upside the head, it makes me grin from ear to ear. And Crosby has done it so damn much. Sidney Crosby in his career has 91 points in 62 games against Philadelphia. The Penguins have scored five goals in each of the games they've played against Philly this season. The Penguins are really good. The Flyers' record is really good. And really, that's where you got to leave it, right? What did Philly show you last night to think, oh yeah, this team? They're a real contender. Nothing for me. Missing chances all over the place. The Penguins, I thought, in the early going, were giving up far too many scoring chances, but they only allowed Philly to have 28 shots on the day. That's not terrible. That's 10 less than they've been averaging giving up over the last handful of games. And the Penguins themselves, they got a lot of quality opportunities, and they put the puck in the back of the net when they did. Again, five goals for the third time that they've played Philadelphia this year. We're going to get to the five-minute major coming up in a few minutes here on the Crowley Show. But first, not only did Crosby just dunk on them bitches last night, but Evgeny Malkin put up two points again. He had the empty netter that sealed it against Philly. One of my favorite goals ever was when Malkin got knocked on his ass in Philadelphia and then didn't get up quick enough, so the action went to the other side of the ice. Malkin stands up. Waits at the blue line. The Penguins clear it to Malkin, who walks in on net, winds up a slap shot, and shuts all those inbred jackasses up. Well, last night wasn't quite that, but Evgeny Malkin did shut up all those inbred jackasses when he buried one in the middle of the empty net. He's also outstanding at setting people up. 
and Malkin of late cannot be stopped. Statistically, he's the second best player in the National Hockey League right now. He's got, as I flip through my notes here, how about that? 46 points in his last 26 games. That's 1.77 points per game. Hello, Gretzky. I'm knocking for you, baby. I think it's finally time that this guy separates himself from Sidney Crosby, and I think it's finally time that he gets out from underneath Sidney Crosby's shadow. Now, as Tom brought up in our pre-show meeting, Evgeny Malkin's actually taller than Sidney Crosby, so Crosby is always in Malkin's shadow. Good point by you. There was a really good piece by Dan Gersky, our buddy from Pittsburgh Hockey Now, where he broke all this down, and I think the reason why Crosby has always overshadowed Malkin is because Crosby's the Canadian wonder boy, and he's had success in the Olympics, and he had always been billed as the next one. Meanwhile, in Russia, the guy who was the next one was going to be Alexander Ovechkin. Well, Ovechkin has lived up to the hype. Sidney Crosby has lived up to the hype. And unfortunately and fortunately for Evgeny Malkin, he's wound up as the second center on Sidney Crosby's line. Uh, and Sidney Crosby's team, pardon me. And this is the only place in the league, arguably, that Evgeny Malkin would be a second-line center. It's time for Evgeny Malkin to get his damn due. Check out Pittsburgh Hockey Now, by the way, if you haven't. Josh gets off now the... Not Josh gets off. Oh, he's just always on my mind. Matt Geica, the part owner of Pittsburgh Hockey Now, along with Dan Kingersky. If Malkin wins another Art Ross, it would be the third Art Ross trophy that he's won. It would also guarantee his second Hart trophy for league's MVP, I think. At least all but guarantee. That would put him in a rare class. Since the expansion of the league, only five players have ever won the scoring title more than twice. All of them are in the Hall of Fame. Malkin now trails Kucherov by two points. He's now got 46 in his last 26 games. He's going to catch Kucherov. He's the best player in hockey right now, and he's got no signs of slowing down. Again, that's 1.77 points per game. Call up Sean T because that's insanity. I texted the Evgeny Malkin whisperer, Rob Rossi, today, and he said that Malkin is likely spurred on by being spurned by the national media. He can see the scoring title in his sights, and he wants to grab it by its haunches. I hope he wins it, man. I really do. Because over the last few years, he's really been the guy who answers to the media. He's been the guy who criticizes the Penguins' bad play when they need to be criticized. He works his tail off in the postseason. He's been so damn good since the Penguins have started their turnaround. If Malkin were to win, he'd have a Conn Smythe, three Art Ross trophies, and two Hart trophies. That would tie Crosby's mark for the Hart. He deserves his respect. And he's got a chance to earn it now over the next month. Not that he hasn't before. Josh Getzoff does join me now here on the Crowley Show. Josh, do you sleep in a suit? Uh, occasionally, Adam. Today was not one of those days, but occasionally I do. When do you get downtime? Since you've gotten here, the Penguins have won the Stanley Cup twice, so the seasons have been like nine and a half months. Like, do you ever sleep? Are you like Tim Benz? Are you a vampire? Uh, I don't know if I'm quite at the level of Tim Benz. Like, uh, maybe somewhere between a Tim Benz and an Adam Schefter and a level below that type <laughs> of thing. But, <laughs> see, yeah, sleep has been few and far between, but we're not going to complain when they're winning. 
Josh Getzoff joining me here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Josh, Evgeny Malkin's been just superb, and uh, we talk about it all the time, but he's the closest thing to modern-day Mario in terms of the way he plays, in terms of the way he looks on the ice. I really hope that he can get the credit that he deserves. He wasn't in the NHL's top 100 players of all time, which is an absolute joke. I don't know if it's a motivating factor to him. Rob Rossi seems to think that it is, but... He's just on a different level right now, and I think, without a doubt, he's going to win the scoring title. I'm with you. I heard what you were saying before you brought me on, and I think it is true. I think he is a little bit motivated and irked by that. He always refers to himself as the 101st greatest player, so I think he <laughs> says that kind of tongue-in-cheek, knowing that he's probably deserving of being in the top 100 of men. He's been ridiculous in 2018. Like Since the, the calendar has flipped over, the points that he's been putting up, Phil Bork and I were talking about it last night, it's, it's almost video game-like. Uh, that he's been able to do. He got two more points last night, 48 points in, I think, 24 games or something like that since the turn of the calendar year. And, I mean, as you mentioned, he's closing in on Kucherov. And I don't think there's any reason to believe that he's going to slow down because he's only picked up in the last couple of games. And I'm, I'm right with you on the other notes that you mentioned as far as Malkin. Every time he talks, he says something uh, of substance with regard to his team's current standing that seems to be backed up by his play in the subsequent game. And I think that there are very few players in the league that can do that, and Malkin's one of them. Now, granted, he doesn't talk all the time, but when he does and when he says something that's critical of himself and his teammates, he backs it up with how he comes back out and plays in the next night. And, you know, you think back to last year, uh, Game 6, when they lost to Washington, going back to Game 7, he said something along the lines of, the Capitals think they have this series in hand, I say no. And then the Penguins go out and win Game 7. I know a lot of that had to do with Marc-Andre Fleury, but Evgeny Malkin's clearly a leader on that team and steps up and makes things happen. And uh, There have been a couple times, obviously, in the regular season over the last couple of seasons that he's made things uh, go the Penguins' way pretty often. And there's no difference right now except for the point productions as high as it's been in, what, five, six seasons for Geno. And he, as you said, he's not showing any signs of slowing down. Josh, the Penguins, I don't think, played a perfect game last night, but that third period was pretty darn good, given their two-goal lead, the way that they approached it. It seemed like they locked down when they needed to, but they also didn't stop pushing. Uh, I thought that was textbook. Yeah, I think and that's something we've seen a lot from them more of recently, Adam, and especially the last month or so, is when they've had third-period leads, you're seeing teams putting up you know, six, seven, eight shots on goal in the entire period when they're down a goal or down two goals. Uh, on the scoreboard, and that's a testament to how the Penguins kind of clamp down a little bit. They're going to surrender chances. I mean, they they have a little bit of a high risk defensively, and that's just the the product of the players they have back there. But when you play a team like the Flyers, you're definitely going to give up chances because they're not lacking for offensive talent. But, you know, you give Tristan Jari credit. He made some big stops there in the third period. I, I think back to one on Scott Lawton uh, in Titan uh, with about three or four minutes left in the game. And, uh, you know, the way that they're able to shut things down, I think, is a testament to them kind of reeling it in here down the stretch and understanding that these are the points that they're all important. But as the cliche goes, these are the points that matter the most here in March going into April. And Penguins have been able to pick up a ton against the division. And there have been really impressive head to head against Philadelphia and Washington, I believe, five and one or six and one this season. So I think it's been interesting to watch that develop, and then as a result, they've been able to jump from both of them and now hold first place in the Metro going into tonight. Last thing here for you, Josh. Uh, with all things being equal, if the Penguins are healthy, I want to see Connor Sheary on that top line, or Sherry, I suppose. Uh, Connor Sheary <laughs> was very good on the top line before. Let's see if Connor Sherry can follow suit. But last night got a couple of goals. That's what I think best benefits the Penguins lineup. 
Connor Sherry still to this day is my favorite story of this season, going from Connor Sherry <laughs> one night in Edmonton and in the second half of the back-to-back becoming Connor Sherry. It's just the greatest side story of the season for the Penguins. But in all seriousness, he uh, I agree. You know, last night, how, how often have we seen with Connor Sherry where he starts to score, he scores in bunches, and he, he'll put up goals, you know, go three, four games with a couple multi-goal games mixed in there, maybe a goal in three straight, something like that. And, of course, last night he scores twice. When he finally finds the back of the net, I think it had been 16 games since he'd scored a goal. So, you know, he, he obviously has had his struggles this year. The thing that I think was most concerning about his struggles is that a lot of the games that he was not very productive in, he was playing with Sidney Crosby. But I think that's the element that you get when you bring a guy like Derek Broussard in. And I'm hesitant to kind of commit to anything because we don't know what the situation is with Brian Rust. He left last night's game midway through the first period. And I think he's kind of the the key to the puzzle for the Penguins offensively and really from a rhythmic standpoint with their lines and Mike Sullivan being able to roll them. Uh, but if Sherry is healthy and everyone else is healthy, I do think his best his best position to produce for the Penguins is with Sidney Crosby. Whether or not that's Crosby's best position or the team in general, uh, that remains to be seen. But clearly the results speak for themselves last year in the playoffs and the year before that, where Sherry, especially two years ago, was a huge performer for the Penguins. And you have to hope that last night was a, a shot in the right direction because I mentioned Rust was out, Simone was out. He was put in a position where he really had to produce. Penguins were down 2-1 early in the second period in that game, and he did. And I think that's very encouraging going forward for him and the Penguins. Josh, love hearing you call a game, man. You do a great job. I appreciate you coming on. And uh, get some sleep, dude. Yeah, I'm going to right now. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate it. Take care, buddy. There he goes. Josh gets off. Not the official vampire of the Crowley Show, but the off-brand, I think, vampire of the Crowley Show. Coming up next, this guy can run, run. Troy Apke, white boy, Mount Lebanon, Penn State. It's the Crowley Show. Our next guest hails from Lebo, Penn State football alum, and he can run, run. He is Troy Apke. Troy, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today, man. Thank you for having me. Troy, do you bring your lunch pail to work every day? <laughs> I try to. <laughs> when you got invited to the Combine, what were you thinking? What was going through your mind, and how did you think you were going to show out? Uh, I was excited, obviously. Um, you know, that was a dream come true for me to get that invitation to that. And, you know, I knew I was going to do good in all the, um, all the athletic drills, like the three cone shuttle, the 40, uh, the L drill, things like that. Um, I kind of just wanted to show them, you know, my abilities. And, you know, I think I did. What's your reaction to Deion Sanders making you kind of go viral? Obviously, I'm sure you'd want to go viral just based solely on your performance, but it doesn't hurt to now have it pushed out everywhere because Dion was so surprised. Oh, yeah, you know, Dion's one of the greatest to ever do it. Um, you know, it was an honor getting acknowledged by him. Uh, you know, I did, actually didn't even know what I ran because uh, they don't put it on the board there, so I was just walking back, and Dion was walking towards me, and, you know, he was all happy about my run, and I, was, I didn't know what I ran yet. So I'm going to hug him. <laughs> Troy, when did you know you were fast? When was the first time you were like, holy hell, I'm smoking MFers out here? Um, <laughs> I guess, you know, uh, just growing up, um, playing football, playing other sports, you know, I was always the faster than other people, and that was one thing I had. Troy Apke joining me here, Mount Lebanon dude, and also from Penn State on the Crowley Show. Uh, are you a gym rat, Troy? 
yeah, I mean, you know, that's helped me a lot, um, you know, especially at Penn State. Uh, when I got up there, I think I was 170. Um, I got up to 200 pounds, you know, 200 pounds at the combine. So, you know, being in the gym, lifting, you know, working out, you know, it's helped me a lot with my career. How much do you have to eat to gain 30 pounds and not look like I do if I gain 30 pounds? <laughs> uh, you got to eat right, you know, healthy foods, things like that. Um, and, you know, Penn State helped me out a lot with that. You film junkie, Troy? Uh, yeah, you know, I think I kind of got into that a lot this year, my senior year. Uh, it helps a lot. Uh, it makes you play faster uh, on the field, and I think it helped me this year. Troy Apke again joining me here on the Crowley Show. What teams did you talk to at the Combine? Who showed interest? Um, I talked to a lot of teams, actually. Um, you know, uh, they don't, you know, they just kind of want to get to know who you are. Uh, I guess it's not really showing interest. It's just, you know, knowing, figuring out what kind of person you are, you know, uh, knowing to trying to show, I tried to show, you know, what I knew about, you know, the game of football and, you know, just trying to, I guess, sell yourself to them. Did you talk to the Steelers at all? I did talk to the Steelers. Who talked to you specifically? Uh, the defensive backs coach, um, Coach Bradley. Oh, of course, of course, Bradley talked. To you. I should have known that. I mean, Penn State and Steelers connection, duh. <laughs> Did you get to yeah, ask so. anything weird, anything bizarre, anything off the wall? Because sometimes you hear uh, from players who say, "Yeah, I mean, they were they were real weird." Sometimes you get coaches staring at you for fifteen minutes. Anything like that? Anything odd happen at the combine? Uh, yeah, not really. You know, this is the last week, uh, week, or I guess it was the end of the week for them, too. You know, I think they were tired. Um, you know, it's a long weekend. And, you know, I think they're just trying to get as much information as they can from me. You know, and that was three days that I was there, four, three, four days that I was there. You want to be a Steeler, don't you? <laughs> I grew up a Steeler saying, you know, I wouldn't be mad about it. What if you were a Raven? How would you feel then, or a Brown or a Bengal? <laughs> I'd be fine going anywhere. Whoever wants me. New England? I mean, come on. You, you, you don't want to go <laughs> They won't take you, though. They won't take you, though, for a very specific reason, Troy. You will not be a New England Patriot. That much I know <laughs> for sure. Uh, how do you spell Dion? Do you know how to spell Dion? D-O-I-N. <laughs> See? No one does. Oh, we've been talking about it a lot. I did not know how to spell Dion Sanders until... You know, you actually made Dion more famous by running the four three five because I didn't know how to spell Dion until you did that. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> Do you have a great motor, Troy? Uh, yeah, I got, during football, that's what I kind of try and play with. Um, you know, I kind of try and go 100% every play, and I think that what makes me better as a player. What was your favorite moment at Penn State? My favorite moment? Yeah. Um, I think it was my junior year. I think when we went to the Rose Bowl and had that run, you know, that was a bit, uh, big year for us, and, you know, I was happy about how we did. What about your low moment? The what? The moment that you thought, damn, this should have gone better, and I wish that it did go better. Um, you know, probably, you know, I'd said that run, you know, it was really good to get into the Rose Bowl, and probably, you know, that last second of the Rose Bowl game, you know, I was kind of uh, disappointed and, you know, losing that game. Have you ever tried to tackle Saquon Barkley? <laughs> I believe I have. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a different player, you know. But he makes everyone on our team. He made everyone on our team better, and it made our uh, team better in the end. Has he ever jumped over you? He has never jumped over me. Well, that's good. You should put that one right up there with the four three five forty. Is he the best athlete that you've ever been around? 
yeah, you know, he's probably one of the best athletes I've been around. You know, he's even, honestly, a better kid. Uh, you know, the things he does outside of football is amazing. So, you know, he made me better, a better player, a better person, made our whole team a better team. Did you hang out with him at the Combine? Was there time for that even? Uh, I didn't see him there. I think he left before I got up there. No, oh, but he big he big timed you. Day. He big timed you, Troy. He didn't know you were gonna run the four three five. He big timed you. That's <laughs> funny. Though. Are you oh, scrappy, man. Troy? Um, I mean, I guess you said. I mean, I have my I play to my abilities. You know, I try and I uh, use my abilities the best um, on the field. You know, and I think I do a good job at that. You play the game the right way? I do. You think Pitt and Penn State should continue the rivalry? Uh my dad actually played at Pitt and Penn State when uh, at Pitt when Penn State and Pitt was a big rivalry. So I kind of know more about it, but you know, yeah, I think they should. Uh it's a uh, in-state rivalry, you know, I think it was a good game both years, so I think they should keep doing it. Troy Apke joining me here on the Crowley show last couple of things uh with us. Things have obviously gone swimmingly for you. I mean, you went to Mount Lebanon, tremendous high school. Uh, of course, I graduated there as well. So did producer Tom. Uh, so, uh, good life, good upbringing for you, Troy. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, I had a mother, father, um, two sisters, one brother. Um, you know, I, I look back on it. You know, they raised me right, um, and I'm you know, can't thank them enough for doing that. Pets? Did you have pets? Say that again. Did you have any pets? Oh uh, yeah, growing up I had a dog. And that's it. Her name was Jenny. Jenny. I think you're someone I'd want my daughter to date, Troy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Rapid, I appreciate that. Rap, rapid fire. You ready for some rapid fire? Go ahead. Can you outrun a black panther? Uh, probably not. An Asian elephant? Yeah, I hope so. An Indian Bengal tiger? Uh, a tiger? Oh, jeez. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, last couple of things for real now uh, for Troy. Uh, what are you doing now between here and the draft? What's your game plan? What do you got to do? Uh, just keep training. Uh, I got pro day coming up on March 20th. So I'm going to get ready for that. Um, you know, for the drills that I'm going to do there. Uh, get ready for meeting teams that are coming up to watch my pro day. Have you heard and of then after... oh, Sorry. Go ahead. No, that's good. You can keep going. No, you go. People don't want to hear me. <laughs> yeah, no, just get ready for pro day, and then after that, just keep working until the draft next thing. Uh, Troy, I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, so just a few more questions again uh, for, for real uh, this time. Troy Apke, Mount Lebanon, Penn State, uh, joining me here on the Crowley Show. Have you heard at all? Has there been any scuttlebutt about where you think you might go in the draft? Um, not really. Um, you know, I'm just going to... You know, keep working hard, you know, keep doing my thing, and then you know, I think everything will fall into place. Do you have a plan for draft day, party, anything like that? Uh, I'll probably uh, be in Pittsburgh with my family, just my mother, father, and siblings. And the host of the Crowley Show probably going to be there, too, uh, the whole the whole Crowley team from ESPN <laughs> Pittsburgh. We all going to be there? Yeah, if you guys want to come, you can be there. <laughs> Troy, really appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much, uh, and best of luck to you, seriously. Thank you. I appreciate that. Hey, take care of yourself. You too. Troy Apke, Mount Lebanon, Penn State. I just hung up on him before Tom could put him back on hold and be like, hey, man, thanks for coming on.
That's what Tom does. He sniffs butts. I thought that went well. My favorite thing, though, was that I kept throwing the white guy cliche analogy at him, and he just, after the lunch pail thing, ah, oh, damn it. Tom, you might have to call him back so I can, I, I forgot to ask him at the end if he's going to take his lunch pail to draft day. I don't call him back. Hey, we got an invite, it sounds like, to a draft day oh, party. Oh, we're going. We're going to the draft day. <laughs> There's no chance we're not there. Oh, my God. Troy Abke, man. Mount Lebanon. A blue devil. Fellow blue devil like myself. And like Tom. I like that guy. Seems like a nice kid. Seems really I'm cool, going to hug him. Seems like a really nice guy. Not the brightest, though. Didn't know how to spell Dion. Oh, come on now. <laughs> there, nobody, who in their right mind knows how to spell Dion? I think he changes it up. I didn't know how to spell Dion until I saw that Troy ran the 4-3-5 and that Dion was all weird about it. I really didn't know. D-E-I-O-N? That was good, man. <laughs> yes! Nailed it! Also, I think it kind of hit him when I said it, but this is legit. He ain't going to be a Patriot. Not going to be a Patriot. He's got a little fire for the Steelers, though. He does. You hear that little one? Wa- he wants it. He doesn't really want to be a Brown or a Raven. I feel like I can speak for him. Who does? Yeah. It's like saying, hey, you want to transfer to Upper St. Clair to play football? <laughs> oh, Mount Lebanon humor. <laughs> I should have asked him about never having to take a bus to work. To school, rather. He probably didn't work. His parents were probably pretty loaded. Lebo. Dog Jenny. He had a dog, Jenny. Mm-hmm. That was the low point, I think, of the interview was whenever I said Jenny. Yeah, you, but you came back strong after that. You I did. You pulled it back together. It was nicely done, man. We will get to the five-minute major coming up next because I was going to get to it, and then we had gets off, and then we had Apke, so of course we weren't going to do it then. Five-minute major and Le'Veon Bell, man. Just shut your trap. Shut up and run the ball, Le'Veon. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's a Crowley show. You can 